the thing that's beautiful at Morse is that it's it's an you have one input and thirty different outputs, and that lends itself very well, um, you know, to people with limited mobility. Um, you know, it's already used as a language uh, for people um, who are kind of um, par paralyzed from the neck down, you know, to kind of communicate with paddles. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's an opportunity there to design something that is um, is accessible. Right now in 2022, it's really easy to get communications from all around the world. We're based in Australia, but you might be listening to SIFTA in the US, in Europe, in South America, Asia, wherever. All you have to do is find our episodes and click and then hit download. But around 100 years ago, communicating across the world was really tricky. If you wanted to do it, it was slow. And there was the invention of the telegraph, which actually went and changed all of that. It made near instantaneous communications possible. And in, during World War I, it turned the tide of battle. It's part of a historical puzzle game developed by Sheffield-based developer Alex Johansson, who was inspired by alternative controllers and single button inputs to make Morse, which is a puzzle game that is similar to Battleship, where you have all the answers laid out in front of you, uh, but you just need to put them in the right order, learning Morse code along the way. I started by asking Alex, what is Morse? So um, Morse is, is a game that teaches you the, the lost language of Morse code. Um, as you mentioned, you're using kind of timing tactics and telecommunication to try and uh, tip the scales in, in, in the Great War. Um, yeah, as, as part of the game, it's a mix of strategy, uh, kind of typing of the dead or kind of, you know, Morse hero almost. And um, yeah, you, you just get, use those to kind of call down artillery strikes and uh, uh, sink ships, shred planes and uh, shell trenches. It's like Mavis Beacon teaches warfare or something like exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me, why is it that you wanted to make this game? What was it about Morse code and that sort of interaction um, that sort of clicked as an idea for a game for you? Um, so Morse actually has like a very peculiar origin um, in the a lot of games kind of take inspiration from like you know uh, art or or music or I don't know a, in an era of history. Um, Morse did get those uh, inspirations, but initially it was inspired by physical design. So um, if I just kind of reach behind the camera here, um, basically I was at a workshop um, doing custom controller design. I've been doing alt control stuff for about a decade now. Um, and yeah, I came across this clothes peg and was like, hmm, I wonder if this would make a very good, like a piano. Uh, basically, I made like a, a piano set out of a series of clothes pegs and then realized that I got bored uh, after making the first one and was like, this makes a very satisfying telegraph key. Um, so then I designed a very, very basic uh, flash game called Dot Dot Splash um, that eventually evolved into, into Morse. Um, the game itself is actually seven years old. It was originally a flash game. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's been around in the ether for quite a long time. Um, what was it about this project that really kept you working through these seven years? Because, you know, you could have moved on to something else. You could have tried something else. I know building stuff is a lot of fun. And, you know, if you're anything like me, you've got a billion little projects all over the place. Um, what kept you working on this game? Well, uh, you would be uh, correct by your initial assertion that I did actually step away from the project for about five years. So um, I originally built the Flash game, um, yeah, like released it online, got like probably like 100,000 plays back in the, the era where Flash was still actually here. Um, and yeah, like had, had Rock, Paper, Shotgun and a bunch of other 
positive press coverage. Um, but then, like, as I was pitching it to publishers, it was just kind of like, I've never shipped a game before. Why am I pitching for all this money? Uh, I'm going to go build some games. So I went away. I, I like, released, like, six or seven, like, mobile games, um, most of the free-to-play market, um, really cut my teeth doing UI and UX, and then um, had an opportunity. Basically, the kind of weird pivot that brought me back to Morse was um, when the play date was announced. Um, I wanted to try and bake the aesthetic of Morse down to you know the kind of play date one bit because um, I was like, oh, you could use the crank for, for like radio frequency tuning, um, and that just from like baking that down to kind of black and white. I was like, let's try add one color to it and see if this looks a little bit better. And it did. And that kind of led me back down the path of working on the project. Um, tell me a little bit about the controller design, the key that you've built, because you've got it sitting there right next to you. It looks pretty impressive. Um, tell me about how that interacts with the game. Okay. Um, so um, as, as mentioned, like Morse's inception came from physical design. And I, as part of that, um, alt control design has been an incredibly important part of um, my career path. Um, I think it's one of the the most underexplored areas of games development right now. Um, given there are like billions pouring into the industry, and people are still using an interface older than the keyboard, so 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 as old as the telegraph. Sorry, I, I messed up the joke. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, the fact that they, they you know the that we're using such an antiquated interface to interact with games. Um, you know, this is far more compelling as an interaction for um, interacting with the game. I actually do have the original manufactured telegraph key that we used for a good while. Um, this is it here. How vintage is that? Is it is it new? Do they still make them, or, or is that just one that's been sitting around for yonks? So this was uh, this was manufactured, but it is we've made it from like brass. Um, and this material called Baker, uh, Bakerlite, which is like the pre-plastic uh, material that people used to, to, to manufacture things. Um, yeah, and, and for, for me, like physical design is like a really important thing. Um, yeah, like I, so, so, and seeing people's reactions when they come to the booth when I show it at events, um, you know, the, usually the reaction is, is, can I take this home? Uh, you know, or, or how much is this going to cost? Um, and can I play it without the controller? Um, and and for me. It's a very high aspiration, but I would love for more. Uh, like, uh, there's a, always a question of commercial viability around alt controllers, and I would love to build a game that isn't necessarily requiring a custom controller, but like enriched to a point that people go out of their way to either buy one or make one or give themselves that that authentic experience. Just thinking about that, it really looks like it would be a perfect game for the Xbox adaptive controller, which is those big pads on there. Is that something you've thought about when playing this game? Is it something that how that works? Um, yes. So this is something that I very much want to lean into with the project is um, accessibility controls. Um, yeah, like I've already spoken to, um, there's a charity called uh, Special Effect um, about like, you know, and had a faff with the adaptive controller. Um, I, I very much like the idea of this being the thing that's beautiful about Morse is that it's it's an you have one input and thirty different outputs, and that lends itself very well, um, you know, to people with limited mobility. Um, you know, it's already used as a language uh, for people um, who are kind of um, par paralyzed from the neck down, you know, to kind of communicate with paddles. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's an opportunity there to design something that is 
um, is accessible. Um, and what's nice about accessible design for the most part um, is that it, it adds more options for um, you know other players. So um, in the case of in the game, you've got this thing that reduces the threshold of, of, of how long you have to wait to enter your next letter. Um, and for people with like kind of uh, reduced motor skills, um, you can kind of crank that all the way down to make it take longer. Or if you're a very, very good telegraphist, you can crank it all the way up and have it be really quick. What is the game to play? What are you doing in each level? You are you sort of explained that you know this is the interaction that you're doing. You're basically sending commands based on the language that's in the game. But what what are you doing? Okay, yeah, this probably probably should cover that. <laughs> so basically, you you are effectively a World War One drone operator. So you have this uh, effectively like a battleship grid that you're um, targeting various points of. So you have two. Two words, so so two uh, axes. So you've got your word on one axis, and then your number on another. And um, with that, you enter Morse code. So let's say A one. Uh, so dot dash, and then dot dash 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 dash, uh, and then your little target reticule will uh, locate to that point, and then you can use an arsenal of artillery to eliminate targets on the map. When you're sort of designing this game, I'm curious about the sort of challenge level. You talked a little bit about adjustability, you know, adjusting for different ability skill sets and, you know, levels of ability. Um, I'm just curious, is it a really hard game? Is it a teaching game? Where does it sort of sit? So um, to use a, like a World War One pun, uh, this is a war on two fronts, you know, teaching a game where you have um, to learn a language and also teach mechanics of the game. Uh, and I've spent a lot of time like really thinking about how to make that as accessible as possible um, and kind of understandable. Um, one thing that's really magic is, I mean, well, my background is in education for context. So I've, I've um, taught like probably about 500 kids how to kind of build their own games and stuff like that. Um, so um, yeah, like like designing experiences that are accessible and understandable is, is something I've really, really sunk a lot of my career into. Um, and as part of that, you know, what, what's really magical is, is taking the game to events, seeing people approach the booth, very uncertain and kind of, oh, I, I couldn't possibly learn this language. And within a couple of minutes, um, picking up the language very quickly. If I want to build my own telegraph key, what do I do? What's the, the best way for me to do that? How does it actually interact uh, with the game that you could just pick up on Steam? So um, I, I have aspirations as part of, um, like, again, we, we've talked about the commercial viability of alt controllers. My approach is going to be to, as an educator, um, distribute educational materials for people to, to build these controllers themselves. Um, in, in, for the most part, you just need a basic contact switch. Um, if I just very quickly just pop this little case open. This isn't the inner workings, but this is uh, something that, I've used for a lot of my career. So um, the thing I used to power it is this thing called the Makey Makey, which is like just got very basic contact switches. Uh, so it's contact contact points, um, it, very simple circuitry. The only thing you need to have is an is a live um, like a, the live wire and an earth wire and connect them together, and that's enough to simulate a a, a Morse code tap. Um, as long as you can come up with some single input of uh, controlling uh, the, the telegraph key, you should be fine. Um, how far along are you in development uh, at this stage? Uh, it sounds like you've got a lot of the elements there, um, but when can people be able to, to play it? So uh, 
currently uh, the game itself uh we we got uk games fund support uh back in 2020 uh we used that to develop the game uh over roughly a year uh we now have this like really solid vertical slice um that kind of captures roughly about an hour and a bit's worth of, of gameplay um we are currently uh in the process of, of getting a publisher and um once that is achieved uh it will take a, a roughly a year of development to, to kind of take the game fully to release uh we have aspirations with it being an individual sorry a sing, sorry a two input uh game uh to bring it to all commercial platforms um, i'm very excited to see how it handles on a switch um what's your favorite thing about morse code as a language the, the thing that I really like about it is the, is the accessibility um, tree of accessibility, where like you have it, it triages off. So you start with one dot and one dash, and then that branches to dot dash. Dot, like, and basically, what it means is that it, because I'm using code words as part of the game, you can always come back to this like little safe, like little safe space of of, of, of easy to input letters, and then be more ambitious. So there's that nice. Um, you got that nice flow for the for the player, um, so they they never feel like they're completely overwhelmed, and that's why it's so accessible to a lot of players. Um, but the favorite thing about Morse is that like I have loved designing a game with a historical le- legacy attached to it, um, just for the most part in in the interactions that I have with the public, um, I've had so many compelling stories of people who either have relatives, um, you know, kind of your father, parents or, or grandparents who interacted with Morse code. Um, I had one guy who came up to the booth, um, saw these headphones and was like, I have a picture of my grandfather from the Second World War wearing those that t- brand of headphones as he served as a military telegraphist on a naval ship. And at that, this point, I had no idea that these headphones were, were actual telegraphist headphones. Um, yeah, I, you know, or there was another story when I was at GDC where some guy came to the booth and was like, my grandfather was a telegraphist, my father was a telegraphist, and I just have their heirlooms sitting around the house um, doing nothing. Um, I'm going to use this game to connect with the legacy, their, their legacy. And it's like, like I, 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 to be honest, I never really want to build a game again that uh, this scale that doesn't have this like historical richness just because it brings so much more to the project than I could have possibly imagined. That's Alex Johansson, a developer based in Sheffield who's working on the gritty black and white puzzle game Morse. You can pick up a demo for Morse on the Steam right now. The game's still in development, so there'll still be a little while before you can get your hands on the full version, but you can check out what it's like to play right now. We know you love listening to Sifter, so if you'd like to support our work, we've got a Ko-Fi where you can contribute whatever you think it's worth to you. Even a small amount makes a big difference to us, so you can head to Sifter dot com dot au forward slash support a couple of dollars will help us keep making the shows that you love that's sifter.com dot au forward slash support sifter is produced by nicholas kennedy kyle paletto fiona bartholomeus daniel ang daniel hines and adam christu mitch Lowe is our senior producer who edited this episode as well and my name is gianni di giovanni and i'm the executive producer until next time have fun Hi, I'm Kyle Paletto. And I'm Gianni DiGiovanni. And here are the top stories this week on Walkthrough, Sifter's weekly news podcast for Sunday, 5th of May. Escape from Tarkov developers relent, allowing access to PvE mode for players who bought an all-DLC bundle, but not before saying... 
So are you mad? Solo developed Manor Lords, an indie city builder, break sales and steam records. Take Two shuts down studios behind Kerbal Space Program and Oli Oli World. And we wrap all the cool things announced at ID at Xbox. You can get every episode of Walkthrough for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube and on our website, sifter.com.au every Sunday.